Welcome to Kayla's Couch, a podcast about faith, family, mental health, and anything else. Grab a seat and get cozy as we discuss life as a Christian, a parent, a student, a person. Settle in and let's catch up. It's Kayla's Couch. Hello out there, and thanks for listening. I'm Kayla, and I'm so grateful that you decided to join me on the couch today. You may be able to tell that I have a little bit of a cold, and that is most of the reason why it's been two weeks since I've uh, posted another episode. The rest of the reason is that I really took a while to decide what I was even going to talk about this time. I had a lot of ideas written down, uh, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do a second mental health-centered episode in a row or choose to explore another topic like faith, family, or fun. Um, Quick spoiler, I decided, yes, it will be another mental health episode. Last week um, in school, I had to write a paper for my counseling ethics class about what client situations I might encounter that wouldn't line up with my personal values and how I would handle that. So I thought I'd bring that scenario to you. So get ready for some Psych 101 today, or rather, Counseling 501. But before that, I have to tell you all that the best thing ever happened to me this past week. I met Harry Potter, like the Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. I met him and talked to him and got a picture with him, and it was amazing. So my husband and I went to New York City to see him in a Broadway play called Merrily We Roll Along. It's a Stephen Sondheim play that um, was recently redone. Um, So they had done it before, and this was a revival of it. And it just opened in September, I believe, or even early October. It's only been on for a little while. Um, And it stars Daniel Radcliffe, Jonathan Groff, who you may also know, he was um, in Hamilton on Broadway, but he also has done uh, other acting gigs, like he was in Glee, um, he voices Kristoff and Sven in Frozen and Frozen 2. And he was um, he was the main character and he was amazing, like phenomenal. And then also Lindsay Mendez, who is Broadway royalty. She played Elphaba in Wicked. But we actually didn't get to see her. It was her understudy who still did an amazing job. But yeah, it was Harry Potter, which honestly is the real reason we went to go see that play uh, was for him. And I had no idea that he was so good. Like, I mean, obviously as an actor, yes, but as a singer, he was just amazing and blew me away. Noah enjoyed the play as well. And then afterward, we went outside and stood by the stage door and waited for some of the actors to come out. Um, And Daniel Radcliffe, came out and was signing autographs and taking pictures. And he was just the sweetest person, which was awesome. Um, You know, somebody who's been famous since they were 11 years old um, may be jaded to meeting fans, but he was not. Like, he was super sweet and kind. 
which is just cool to like meet somebody that you're such a fan of and to not have an awful experience. You know, you hear that sometimes, like don't meet your heroes. Uh, but he was great. It was awesome. And I will be talking about it for the rest of my life. So if you know me personally, there's your disclaimer that every once in a while you will be hearing that I met Harry Potter. So that was like the best day ever. Um, and it was just a really awesome day in the city. Me and Noah walked around and shopped and window shopped and um, ended with just an amazing experience. The play was great and I just love New York City and can't wait to go back, which I will be doing at the end of December. I would consider myself a veteran of like all things touristy, you know, Broadway, Times Square, Central Park. I've kind of gotten myself into a groove of like which restaurants we go to or, um, you know, just what stops we have to do. Uh, so if you have any recommendations of like non-touristy things to do, especially for families, because that's who I'm going to be going with next, please send me an email, kaylascouch at gmail.com. I want all of your New York City recommendations. I'm going to also be doing a travel episode sometime in the future. I have been to quite a few places, some of them seemingly random, and I have my best friend, Gabby, living in Finland. Shout out to Gabby. And I'm going to call her at some point soon and record that conversation and learn all about living in Finland and what she's doing over there and what it's like just to be an American living abroad for the first time. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Now we will get into the meat of the episode, which is ethical dilemmas and how to handle client situations that you maybe don't see eye to eye with personally, and how you have to kind of put that aside and just help them through what they're going through without imposing your own values onto them. It's a tricky situation I'm learning, uh, but it's really important, and I'm going to kind of share what I'm learning with you. So before I did the research for this specific assignment, there was a worksheet to complete that had many client scenarios that could be considered divisive or reactionary, and I had to give each one a rating between one and five, with five being completely comfortable providing counseling and one being very uncomfortable providing counseling. I won't be sharing any specific reactions I commented on because I wouldn't want um, future clients to feel uncomfortable or judged. The whole purpose of identifying our personal values and knowing them fully is so we're less susceptible to offering biased advice or guidance to our clients. So counselors have to follow the guidelines set by the American Counseling Association. And one of the guidelines is that counselors are never allowed to impose personal beliefs onto a client. It's also against the guidelines and can lead to a lawsuit to refer a client to another practice or counselor because their beliefs don't align with yours. The ethics code does state, like if you truly believe you cannot be any help to that client for you know one reason or another, that of course it is your responsibility to find them a counselor who can work with them. Um, but if it's just simply that you don't agree with how they're living or you don't agree with the decisions they're making, um, or let's say because I'm a Christian and they are... Jewish or Muslim or, you know, just 
anything else, that is not a reason I am allowed to say I can't help you. So with that being said, training to be a mental health counselor includes learning how to ethically navigate a client through a situation that you may not agree with. A key term here is competence. There are core values that counselors need training in to be competent and act ethically when counseling. Um, They include, but are not limited to, autonomy, non-maleficence, beneficence, justice, fidelity, and veracity. Um, I won't go into what each of those mean because that's just a whole nother lecture in itself, but it basically means that the client is their own person, they need to make their decisions, Um, you are doing everything in your power to not harm the client, you're working for their good, obviously treating them uh, fairly, maybe not equally in a sense, you know, where like one client might need more assistance or more help finding resources than another. So not treating them equally per se, but equitably. Um, you know, if one client needs a foot up or, you know, another an extra push, then you need to be willing to do that for them. So, uh, like I said, not going to go fully into each one, but I will share one quote that I read and really liked from the reading was, though I am not expected to adjust my values, I may not impose them. It's also important not to label a client or try to fit their scenario into a box. Every situation has complexities and nuances, and it might seem like common sense, but If you're a Christian like me, it really requires shedding the legalism of religion and putting on the love of Christ. There's another term that really coincides with that, and it's called unconditional positive regard, and that tasks the counselor with being completely supportive of the client. You cannot be judging them in your head or leave a session like, sheesh, they're out of touch. The counselor has to let their clients know that regardless of the scenario, they will only encounter love and not shame from their counselor. Now, specifically on the topic of Christian faith and counseling, if a client wants to incorporate biblical truth or worldview into their treatment or sessions, then absolutely, I can share the hope from Scripture with them. In the same way, though, if I happen to work for a practice in the future and I'm assigned a client um, who is from a different religion, wants to share their concerns through their faith's lens, I'll need to use the training I'm just starting now to navigate that. It would not be fair to push that aspect of their life aside and not assign their spiritual perspective any importance just because I'm not of that same religion. The same goes with race, gender identity, or if they're LGBT. It's never fair to the client to purposefully ignore that because I don't relate to it. Those parts of a client's identity are going to shape how they're perceived by others, how they're treated in their community and or family, and how they think and believe. So it's all important to include and understand that as a counselor. Phew, I hope that was not too much too quick. I've been really grateful for the classes and training, and I think it's really building my empathy and understanding for the people in my life. I'm really looking forward to continuing in the program and sharing more with you. If you have any questions about this little bit I explained today, or anything else that interests you about psychology or counseling or my graduate program, 
please send me an email at kaylascouch at gmail.com. I'd be so happy to chat or even talk through some of the questions on a future episode. So I do have one last plug before we switch gears, and that is my resource, Prayers for Anxiety. It's a digital download that you can purchase through Etsy. It's $2.99, and it is a prayer journal. It's really like a 14-day devotional. Um, Like I said, it's called Prayers for Anxiety, but all of the scripture has to do with encouragement from the Lord if you're ever feeling lonely, unsure, unstable, disorganized, um, yes, anxious, nervous, depressed, Uh, but all the scripture comes from my personal study and the verses that I cling to in my struggles with anxiety that I still deal with. And so this is just a way I feel connected to people listening or just anyone out there who is feeling the same things, lost, alone, anxious. Um, This is a place for you to find hope and encouragement in the word that comes directly from our Savior. So again, um, you can check that out. I'll post the link in the bio of my Instagram and also in the little description of this podcast, Prayers for Anxiety on Etsy. Okay, so now we are going to do something a little fun and talk about teams. Now, when I say teams, I'm not talking sports. Sorry to those who care about sports. Unfortunately, I am not one of you. However, I still have teams. Team Edward, um, Team Taylor. So yes, they are pop culture teams, but I have no shame. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw last week I posted a story asking you what your teams were. And it was inspired because I was watching Gilmore Girls at the time, which it's the perfect show to start in the fall. If you haven't seen it before, it's on Netflix. It's a feel-good, small-town show about a mom and a daughter who are really close, and it follows their life starting from the daughter's high school years going all the way through her college graduation. And throughout the show, the daughter has three long-term boyfriends. So today, we're going to learn about them, and by the end of the episode, you will choose your team. If you are a man and somehow are still listening to this after that segue, feel free to skip ahead to the sign-off, but if you enjoy a lively debate, literally between me and myself, then let's get going. If it helps, my husband has an opinion on this topic, so it is not just for girls. Okay, first boyfriend, Dean. Oh, Dean. He's the first boyfriend she had. He's tall and handsome, but also whiny and overprotective. If you can't tell by the tone of my voice, I am not Team Dean. I don't think there even can be a Team Dean. If you're, if you are for some reason on Dean's team, please send me an email or a direct message and explain yourself because I don't get it. He starts off okay. You know, he's her first love. They're obsessed with each other, which, you know, is a whole nother conversation. Um, but yeah, it's like, it just goes downhill. He's constantly like jealous of her putting school as a priority, which is just weird. Um, he tells her he loves her like three months in, which, you know, for young dating couples, that's pretty normal. 
but she doesn't say it back because she's never said it before. She's unsure about it. And he breaks up with her. He's like, you can't say you love me. We're done. And it ruins it. You know, it's like, oh, gross. Too whiny. Um, eventually they get back together. And later on in the show, actually, I'm not going to give the spoiler, but Dean lets Rory basically ruin his life. Um, yeah, so not Team Dean. Okay, so then Luke, who is a main character in the show, has a nephew who comes to live with him. His name is Jess, played by Milo Ventimiglia. He is in This Is Us. You probably know him from other shows. He's great. We love Jess. Am I Team Jess? No, but I love him. He is supposed to be the bad boy, which honestly is laughable. He does card tricks. He reads books constantly and he works at Walmart. I don't know. Like, not that working at Walmart is like nerdy per se, but it's definitely not like a bad boy thing, you know, to like hold a job. Spoiler, he gets employee of the month. So I'm like, why are they making this kid a bad boy? I don't know. He wears like jean jackets and skips school. I guess that makes you a bad boy. Anyway. He's literally Rory's kindred spirit. Um, He pushes her to do her best. He gets her to be a little bit out of her comfort zone. He's also the only boyfriend who could go toe-to-toe with Rory's frenemy, Paris. And he's not intimidated by her. And honestly, I think that would have been a really fun friendship to watch, too. My friend Megan and my sister Ellie are Team Jess, just to put that out there. So if you happen to know Megan or my sister Ellie, then... You're in good company if you're Team Jess. He's smart, he's cute, and he's not whiny. So go Jess. But I'm not Team Jess. You know who I am? I am Team Logan. Logan was her third boyfriend, her college boyfriend. And to be honest, he's kind of a jerk. He's rich, comes from a rich family. Uh, So he's kind of like, you know, knows he's all that. I feel like I'm giving spoilers, but it's a really old show. So if you haven't seen it by now, then like, I feel like it's kind of on you. Am I being too snarky? I don't know. Anyway, he was mysterious. He was part of this like secret club at Yale where they went to college. Uh, But he like invited her in. He was cool and sweet with her. Okay, so spoiler. If you haven't seen the show yet and you're planning on it and you haven't met Logan yet, stop here. Okay. He wanted to marry her. He proposed to her. So like, you know, he really loved her, but he was really supportive of her career goals. He didn't push her into anything, but to also be devil's advocate in the same way that he didn't push her to be anything she wasn't. He also just didn't really push her to do much of anything at all that she wasn't already motivated to do. If that makes sense, there's a time in the show where she kind of loses her way. Her character up to that point is so driven and so motivated and knows exactly what she wants that I felt like it really just was lost on him. Anyway, so that was disappointing. He's still my favorite of her boyfriends, probably just because I think he's the cutest. But uh, Kelsey, who was on the podcast for the Conspiracy Theory episode, she is also Team Logan. So shout out to Kelsey. I agree with you. 
So I posed this question to my friend Gabby, who I said lives in Finland, and so she had to text it back to me because at the time, I did not have the proper recording equipment to record a phone call. That has since changed, so in future episodes, I will be able to have her on, which is so exciting. So I asked Gabby who she thought was the best boyfriend on Gilmore Girls, and I was not specific enough because she did not choose one of Rory's boyfriends. But that's totally valid. She chose Dave Rogalski, which, if you've seen the show, is Lane's boyfriend. Lane is Rory's best friend. And I think I will just read you exactly what Gabby wrote me. She wrote me a novel, that's for sure. But I love how she worded it like it was a legitimate essay. So it deserves respect, and I'm just going to read it. Okay. In the romantic web of Gilmore Girls, Dave Rogalski stood out for several reasons, solidifying his status as the best boyfriend. Unlike some of Rory's partners, Dave showcased a deep respect for Lane's beliefs and family, navigating the challenges of their cultural differences with grace and commitment. His kindness and thoughtfulness surpassed the norm, as seen in his genuine interest in Lane's hobbies and his efforts to impress her mother by learning Korean customs. While Rory's relationships were marked by complexity at best and the occasional turbulence, Dave's open communication and honesty created a stable foundation for his romance with Lane. Furthermore, Dave's resilience in facing challenges, such as Lane's strict upbringing, set him apart. His mature, responsible, and respectful demeanor added to his appeal, making him a standout boyfriend in Lane's life and arguably surpassing Rory's various suitors in the series. Dave Rogalski's character exemplified qualities that elevated him to the best boyfriend in Gilmore Girls. However, Dave's downfall occurs when he randomly disappears. And that is true. He very randomly disappears from the series because he actually had another contract for a different show, so they wrote him off, like, just really quickly, which was sad. But anyway, thank you, Gabby, for that response. I found it hilarious and also true. So that is all for today's episode of Kayla's Couch. Thanks for following along as I teach you a little bit about what they're teaching me. It's studying, really. And I want to hear from you. Is there anything you'd find difficult about trying to give advice to someone whose choices you don't agree with? Or maybe you want to chime in and tell me what team you're on. Send me an email at kaylascouch at gmail.com. I hope you join me next time on Kayla's Couch. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or sending it to a friend. You can follow me on Instagram at Kayla's Couch Pod and send me an email at kaylascouch at gmail.com with any feedback or recommendations you have. Let's hang out again. It's Kayla's Couch. Kayla's Couch.